Proverbs 17, chapter 17, verse number two. Proverbs 17, two tonight, and uh, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. <laughs> we'll finish Proverbs 17 tonight. And uh, if the creek does rise, we'll probably still finish Proverbs 17 because uh, there is no creek running through the church, amen? If there is, well, that's a big problem. Yeah. Proverbs 17, chapter number two, verse number two. Let me get to where I was. The Bible said, a wise servant shall rule over a son that causeth shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. A wise servant shall rule over a son that causes shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we do thank you for tonight. We do thank you, Lord, just for an opportunity, Lord, to gather together, Lord, to catch up, to fellowship, Lord, to talk one to another, shake hands, and Lord, just to see each other's smiles, Lord, and hear each other's encouraging words. We do thank you for the song service tonight, Lord. We do thank you for grace that is amazing. We do thank you, Lord, that one day, Lord, we will fly away. Lord, one day we'll leave this world behind to never uh, to deal with these problems and, and issues that we deal with on a daily basis, Lord. Lord, we'll leave behind these few days of a whole lot of trouble and to enjoy a place called heaven for all of eternity. We do ask you tonight, Lord, that you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get me out of myself? Fill me with the Spirit of God. I thank you tonight for the opportunity, Lord, to open up the, the word of life, to open up your word tonight, Lord. And Lord, these people did not come to hear anything that I've really got to say. Lord, they came to hear from you tonight. And I ask you tonight, Lord, you just let me be a mouthpiece. Lord, let me just be used of you one more time. Lord, I just want to be an instrument in the hands of an almighty God. Lord, use us tonight. Lord, help us tonight. Give us exactly what we need, Lord, in our life right now. Oh, Lord, I firmly believe tonight that you're an on-time God, not just with money and not just with things, but with truth. And I pray, Lord, tonight you'd lay truth deep down in our hearts tonight, Lord, and it may be uncomfortable getting in there, but God, let it have its total work in our life, Lord, and we'll be so thankful that it is in there. We ask you tonight, Lord, you simply help us one more time. We'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen. We've... Uh, been in Proverbs 17, now I think four, this will be the fourth week tonight, but the past two weeks we've looked at these different hearts in Proverbs 17. We start off by looking at the wicked heart, and I remember being in math class or doing my math work, and I don't know if it was my mom or my math teacher, but somebody told me you always deal with the difficult ones first, right? You get the hard ones out of the way, and so we dealt with that hard heart, the, the wicked heart, right? It is that one that deals in falsehood and lies and arrogancy and pride. And it is the heart that none of us would wish to have, but we also have to be honest and say we all have the potential to live, to act, and to walk with a wicked heart or a heart that is not set upon God. And so we looked at that heart, then last week we looked at the unlearned heart, that is the one that lives life with the I don't know mentality. And not that it's I don't know, I'm not gonna do what is required of me to figure out what I need to know. I'm going to live in ignorance, right? And I'm gonna live in, in that I don't know mentality. Uh, and that's a dangerous place to live. Now that is where we all begin, right? We all begin with an ignorant heart. Now I'm not saying that, we hear that word, right? And something bows up, I am not ignorant, preacher, well, we all are. 
<laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not standing up here in my non-ignorant pulpit and saying you guys out there are ignorant, not me. No, we all start there, but that's not where we're supposed to stay. We are to grow in the knowledge and the truth of God's word and not just information about our Bible, but application of truth, right? So we look at that unlearned heart that yes, ignorance may be bliss, for a time, but staying there is not where we're supposed to stay. Knowledge and understanding is far better than walking around in ignorance. And so we see that, that, last, that, that last week, and well, preacher, how do I go, how do I change my unlearned heart? Well, admit your ignorance. <laughs> Lord, I don't know about this, but Lord, you obviously do. Could you please help me in understanding this? And then apply that wisdom that God gives you. Don't give an answer until you have one, right? And, we, and it's, it's something in our Christian life, you're gonna have to, learn that sometimes the best thing you can say is I don't know and I will get back with you when I do, right? I remember learning in Bible college and I remember learning throughout the years and I can't pinpoint who gave me this advice, but man, it has saved me a lot of trouble. And that is until you have peace, the answer is no. The answer is no. Well, preacher, we got to know now. We got to know now. No. Right? Sometimes you just, the best thing you can do is say no when you are absent of peace, right? The peace of God is to rule your heart. If there's no peace there, if God's not leading you, directing you, the best thing you can do sometimes is to say no and just say, well, or not, and not just say, well, we hope it all works out, right? And instead of just, I'm going to wait on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so we've seen an unlearned heart. We've seen a wicked heart. And tonight we will look at the wise heart, right? We all have the potential to have a wicked heart. We've all probably at some point lived and made decisions with an unlearned heart, but we all ought to have a desire and it is possible to live the Christian life with a wise heart or to live the Christian life through God's wisdom and being led by God's word. So every Christian should have a wise heart or a heart that is guided by God's wisdom. A wise, now, now, now let me get this straight tonight. A wise heart is not one that is full of information concerning God's word. You could literally turn to the 8,732nd word in your Bible because you have it all memorized. That's wonderful. But information in and of itself is not wisdom. Right, there's a lot of people who have a lot of information. They ain't got no wisdom. Right, there's a lot of people who lack education, who lack uh, uh, information per se, who lack correct English. They got a whole lot of wisdom. We see tonight a wise heart is, uh, isn't determined by information or level, but rather it is really determined by one's heart or one's heart's appreciation of wisdom. How you view God's wisdom. Because if you don't view it right, if you don't hold it in the proper place in your life, you're not going to have it. And we're going to see tonight that there's three views of a wise heart. A wise heart can be determined by how it views wisdom. Notice number one tonight, a wise heart views wisdom as valuable. It views wisdom as valuable. Look at verse number 16 of Proverbs 17. The Bible said, wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom? Seeing he hath no heart to it. That word price means there is a payment. There is a cost. There is a wage to one getting 
wisdom. However, the, the, the fool understands this, that, that there is a price to wisdom, but it's just not reasonable for me. We talked about that on Sunday morning, how if something is not reasonable to us, we will, we will do just like my kids did. Uh, they'll look at that price tag and say, I'm not, we are not paying that much for this. It is too much. And so the fool understands that there is a price or a way to get wisdom. Their heart's just not in it. They're not willing to put in that effort uh, per se. The return on their investment doesn't seem good enough. And so if that's the case, there's no need to pursue it. However, a wise heart doesn't just think wisdom is valuable. Like It's a good thing, but it, it is almost there. It, they, they believe it to be of the utmost value. If I don't get anything else in this life, I want God's wisdom. I want God's word. I want God's truth. I want God's understanding. And they will go to whatever lengths are necessary to obtain wisdom. Now, I'm not talking about Solomon and how Solomon went and did everything underneath the sun to try to figure out if there's any wisdom in it. You know, he came back and said everything underneath the sun is vanity. In essence, not, but really, we'll go to whatever lengths it takes for you and I to get a grasp to and hold to and learn how to apply God's word and God's wisdom in our life, we, we, we ought to view it with the utmost value. That's why our Bible compares his word and his wisdom to things like gold and silver and precious stones because those are great value in, in a monetary sense, but God's wisdom is far above that. And a wise-hearted person views God's wisdom as valuable. Take your Bibles and I turn them open to James chapter number one. They will go to whatever, whatever links are necessary to obtain. How does one get wisdom? James chapter number one tonight. And keep your place in Proverbs. We'll be back there uh, in the next few points. But look at James chapter number one. We've probably said this verse in these 67 weeks that we've been in Proverbs. Right? I don't know if it's actually 67, but it feels like that sometimes. But we go down here to verse number five of James chapter number one. You've heard this verse before. If any of you lack what? Wisdom. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. Boy, if we could stop right there. Right? That's a wonderful, all you gotta do is ask. And in essence, that is true. And that is right. But then you gotta go down to verse number six. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Then you go down to verse number seven. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. <laughs> God says, let any man, how many glad tonight that God is no respecter of persons. In essence, tonight he does not hoard his wisdom and only give it out to somebody because of their skin color or because of their economic background or, or how much money is not in their wallet or, or where they are in society. God doesn't uh, hold wisdom back for us. The Bible says, let any man ask. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally, who upbraideth not. He doesn't hold it back like, I'm never going to give this to you. But then in verse number six, there is a stipulation. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. So preacher, what in the world does that mean? Not only is James chapter one, verse five through, uh, verse number five, not only is that a promise, but it's also, we see in six and seven, we see the process. How does one attain 
wisdom. Well, all you have to do is ask. Let me ask you, mom and dad, do you give your children everything they ask for? <laughs> a good parent doesn't. Right? A good parent says, no, you cannot eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner unless you share it with me. Right? No, no, we know because we're on the outside looking in. We, we, are, we are looking down a road that we've already walked and said, no, if you form that habit now, it'll become detrimental later on in life. And we see here in James chapter 1, verse number 5, yes, any man can ask God for wisdom. But verse number 6 says, make sure you ask in faith. Nothing wavering. In essence, what good would it do for God to give us wisdom if we know and he knows that we're not even going to listen to him? Or we're going to say, thank you, God, for telling me that, but I'm going to go back to my thing and do it my way. In essence, when you ask in faith, you've come to the place where you know you do not have the answer. You cannot manufacture it. You cannot think it up. You cannot in some way pull it out of your brain. You are at your wit's end. You have come to the end of yourself, and by faith you realize, I don't have the answer, but God, you do. And God, I'm, 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 so, I'm so believing that you have the answer that I'm not going to go back to any of that other stuff. I'm not going to lean on anything else besides your wisdom. Because the Bible said that, that if we ask and we're wavering in our faith, right? Well, I don't know if God really does have the answer. Right? Or, or uh, that may not be the right answer. My favorite one, that doesn't apply to my situation. It does. <laughs> just, you just haven't realized it yet. We see here that, that we, we have this promise. Yes, God will, but then we have this process by faith, asking in faith. In essence, Lord, there is no give me your wisdom, and I'll let you know what I think about it. Do you really have a better option than God's word and God's wisdom? It, you have to come to that realization tonight that you have nothing better than God's word and God's wisdom. Until you, that's where you, that's where you, really where you've got to start in order to get the answer that you're looking for. The answer that you so desperately need. A wise heart isn't just one who knows that God's wisdom is valuable, but one who treasures the value of God's wisdom. Let me ask you now, what carries more value to you? Your feelings and your understandings or God's wisdom? And so we see tonight a wise heart is one that views wisdom as valuable. I have to have it. I need it. This is not a want anymore. This is not a, uh, uh, an optional thing. I have to have this. Let me ask you, as your pastor, would you want me to deem God's wisdom as something that is optional? You come to me and you've got a question, a life's question, and you, you, you're trying your best. You're seeking godly counsel. How would you feel if I looked at you and said, listen, it really doesn't matter what the Bible says. You would say, oh, I, I, no, preacher, that, it does. And if you desire a pastor that wants God's wisdom and knows God's wisdom and lives by God's wisdom, then you too ought to strive for that yourself. God, I need your wisdom. A wise heart values or, or views God's wisdom as valuable. Notice number two tonight, a wise heart views God's wisdom as powerful. Views God's wisdom as powerful. I read an article a few a couple weeks ago, 
And it, it piqued my interest. That is crazy to think about. They said that Chinese scientists have designed a, a battery for your cell phone that is nuclear powered. That you can literally have a nuclear powered cell phone in your pocket. And they said that battery on one charge would not have to be charged again for 50 years. You remember back in the day when you would go and you would try to find your forever home? This is where we're going to live for the next 50 years. Nowadays, you might have to go to the cell phone store and find your forever cell phone. <laughs> this is it. But I got more I got to think about. It. I, I said, in the instant, I thought, man, that's kind of neat. But the more I got to think about it, I said, one, I don't trust the Chinese government. Two, I don't want a nuclear reactor in my pocket. I don't want that kind of radiation going into my body. And three, what phone lasts 50 years? I think that's how they're trying to weaken us. <laughs> my phone broke. Let me throw it in the, the dump. And you got one million phones in the dump with nuclear reactors in them. It's like Chernobyl on steroids. <laughs> well, mine, that's where my, my mind goes, Amen. But we see here the, the thought of powerful, right? And what really fascinates me, because I, under, I don't understand completely, but I understand when that nuclear fission process takes place in a nuclear reactor, that there is a great amount of energy that is being dispersed and being, being uh, manufactured. And, and, and in essence, it's so, it's so powerful that if it is done wrong, it is dangerous. And now somehow these Chinese scientists have discovered a way to take that great power and put it into something the size of a cell phone battery. But I got to thinking about it. I said, it, it, they had the world's biggest nuclear reactor. The power that comes from that reaction does not compare to the power that is in within God's word and with God's wisdom. Oftentimes we trade in God's power for our own which miserably fails in comparison. See, God's wisdom has the power to prosper. Look at verse number eight. A gift is precious, is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it. Whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. In essence, you could say the same thing about God's word and God's wisdom. Wherever you apply God's wisdom, it's going to prosper. I'm not talking about health, wealth, and, 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 and all that kind of uh, financial preaching in that sense and that, that name it and claim it stuff, but I'm saying this book prospers. Wherever you obey it, wherever you fill it in, wherever you use it, God's wisdom always prospers because it's powerful. It's powerful. Apply God's wisdom to your marriage. I guarantee it'll prosper. Apply God's uh, wisdom to your ministry. I guarantee it prospers. But apply it to your home. I guarantee your home prospers. Apply it to your work. I guarantee it prospers. Apply it to your relationships. I guarantee it prospers. Hey, you young people that are, that are beginning that dating stage or that courtship stage, whatever terminology you want to use, apply God's wisdom and you'll do it right. And it'll prosper. Apply God's wisdom to your decisions and it'll prosper. This God's wisdom is the only thing that wherever you apply it, it's going to prosper. Nothing else can make that promise. Nothing else can make that claim because anything else, it may work for you, but it may not work for me. But that cannot be said about God's word. 
It'll work just as well for you as it will for me. And God's wisdom is the same way. God's wisdom has the power to prosper no matter where it is. Just think about the life of Joseph. Let me ask you, what, what prompted Joseph to get to where he was? Well, preacher, he had that great business plan for Pharaoh. And they was going to save some, and then when famine came, they was going to sell it all. I remember I was studying that for the, the, the Good News Club. We just wrapped up the life of Joseph. And I got thinking, Joseph was, Joseph was mean. He should have just gave away all that corn. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. He was selling corn. The Bible said the Lord was with Joseph. And what we see tonight, there's this, this, this idea of wisdom. Not only does it prosper, but really wisdom also promotes. It has the power to promote. Look at verse number two where we started off tonight. Look at verse number two. A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causes shame. It shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. Now, let me ask, how many of y'all got servants? <laughs> well, I'm preacher, we're in 2024. Nobody has servants. Okay, I'll give you that. I don't have any either. <laughs> just fired the last one last week, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> but how many of us have ever had someone come into your house to do a contract, to do a labor, to, to fix something or something along those lines, right? You've hired somebody to do something for you, right? They, they have served you in that capacity. Let me ask you, are they part of your family? I mean, have you adopted them? and brought them in and gave them the same things that you would have given your own children. Now, you're probably nice to them. You're probably polite with them. But you wouldn't say, no, preacher, they are not, they are not part of my family. They, they are not one of my sons or one of my daughters. But notice here, the Bible says that wisdom, when it is applied, has the power to take somebody who doesn't deserve any of that and put them in the family, so to speak, or to give them the reward of a son. See, God's wisdom has a power to promote. Man's promotion always comes with strings attached. Some sort of request or expectation. However, the Lord will promote those who choose to value and apply his wisdom. And an example of that was Joseph. Joseph didn't come up with that business plan. How did Joseph come up with that? He said, Pharaoh, that is a crazy dream. But God gives us the interpretation of his dream. He said, I can't do it, but I will go to the one who can. And God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dream. God gave Joseph the wisdom that he needed. And that's how Joseph was promoted. He was elevated. He was a Hebrew slave. And then he was a Hebrew prisoner. And now he's second in charge in all of Egypt. How? Wisdom. God's wisdom applied in his life. God will take a person who should not have ever been and promote them over someone who should have known better. The Bible said a servant who is someone who should not be part of the family, who should not get the inheritance, who should not get what is, what is left behind for the sons. And the Bible said, but because of wisdom, he'll overtake the son that should have known better and chose not to. And we see here tonight that a, a wise heart views God's wisdom as powerful. Preacher, how do I climb the ministry ladder? Get off of it. Preacher, how do I, how do I become successful? How do, I, how do I do this and how do I do that? How do I, how do I become like Joseph? What, what kind of business acumen do I need to have? You don't need business acumen, you need wisdom. 
You need wisdom. And God's wisdom is something far greater than something for you to make money with. It is how you are to live your life. Let me ask you, are you, are you tired of living with your own power? And by your own power, why don't you rely on the power of God that is found in his wisdom and in his word? It has the power to promote you. It also has the power to prosper everything that you do. And notice number three tonight, a wise heart views God's wisdom as helpful. Views God's wisdom as helpful. Look at verse number 22 of Proverbs 17. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Anybody ever told you to hush? Or have you ever told anybody to hush and you say, hey, hush, you're not helping the situation. That's what they're telling you to be quiet. That statement cannot be said about God's wisdom because it always helps. There's never a time where God's going to give you in, in, in that insight, that understanding, that wisdom from his word. You're going to say, that didn't help. Because it always helps. Not only is it always prosper, not only is it always promote, not only is it always uh, what we need, but it always helps. Well, look at verse number 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Now, how many of you came in here tonight and you've got some problems there's some issues in your life. Right? Things going on. They're big to you. They cause you to think about, I've got the solution tonight. Just laugh. Matter of fact, let's do it all together on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> that, that wasn't everybody. Here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> all right. All your problems are solved. They're fixed. I guarantee you, when you walk out of church tonight, no problems. Can I say that's how that verse is preached sometimes? That, yes, you got problems. All you got to do is laugh. And all of a sudden, you'll feel better. Now, maybe, maybe a few moments ago, that was the first time you laughed all week. Can I say, I love laughing. I, I love cutting up. I love, all, I love laughing. I do, but... <laughs> Laughing ain't never paid any of my bills. <laughs> I've laughed at some of my bills. <laughs> How are we going to pay that? <laughs> How's that going to happen? But really, the Bible isn't talking about just laughing and everything goes away. I'm going to go home, I'm going to turn on a stand-up comic and all my problems are going to be solved. That's not what your Bible's teaching you. But the Bible does teach you that a merry heart is good like a medicine. Well, what does a medicine do? It heals. It helps. It strengthens. It, it, it deals with things. It, it, it fixes things. And, and the reality is, right, to, to have, a, have a merry heart, in order to have that, you have to have a heart that is settled on wisdom. You have to have a heart that is settled on wisdom. Matter of fact, a lot of times in your Bible, when you see that phrase, merry, it is often preceded by the words, to make. In essence, it is a choice that one makes to be merry. My wife did a wonderful job at teaching this uh, a few uh, months ago at Canaan Baptist Church with her ladies thing, and I, I, was, I was enjoying her study on it. I say, man, if you just alliterate that, give me a poem or two, that thing will preach. But it's a choice to be merry. It's one that makes. Now, joy is what Christ puts in us. 
It's what we, what we got the day that we got saved is a joy that's everlasting and never runs out. It may not always be tapped into, but it's always there. Happiness is on your circumstances. And it literally comes from the word happenstance. But Mary is a choice that we must make to be. And a heart that is settled on God's word and settled on God's wisdom always has the opportunity to be Mary. Always has the opportunity to find the silver lining, so to speak. To find something to encourage us. And see, the reality, because you look at the rest of the verse, a broken spirit drieth the bones. Can I say it is not spiritual for you and I to be walking around like Eeyore and talking about how terrible everything is and how bad everything is and how, how just messed up everything is, even though it is tonight. But wisdom tells me, God's word tells me that yes, everything is crazy, but he's still on the throne. He's still in control. I have a reason to be married tonight. A merry heart, a wise heart views God's wisdom as helpful. See, without wisdom, your spirit would stay broken. It would stay broken. Your night would be too dark. Your storm would be too dangerous. Your outlook would be too bleak. Your temptation's too strong. Your trial's too overbearing. But God's word and God's wisdom says not so. Preacher, I'm in the midst of the storm. Now let me give you some wisdom tonight. I know the one that can speak peace to it. Preacher, my trial is too hard. Can I say he's been through everything that we've ever been through. He knows what you're going through tonight. Don't live outside of wisdom. Preacher, my temptations are too strong. Let me ask you, has the devil shown up to you in physical form and took you to the highest pinnacle of Jerusalem and showed you the kingdoms of the world? He said, all you have to do is jump off. What did Jesus say? It is written. Can I say tonight, there is no temptation that you'll ever go through, that you'll ever know that God's word is not the solution for. That's why you men, we need to be memorizing those verses. Why? You got to hide God's word in your heart. <laughs> Preacher, my outlook is too bleak. Could you imagine what America's going to be like if we have four more years of Joe Biden? Could you imagine what America is going to be like if nothing is done financially, politically? And all, listen, I don't know what America is going to look like in five years, but I do know heaven's going to be just fine. And can I say tonight, because of God's word and the wisdom that is in it, I can tell my heart, be merry. Because I have a whole lot more in Christ than I have anywhere else. I would say that God's word and God's wisdom sure is helpful tonight. It sure is helpful tonight. A wise heart views God's wisdom as helpful. Let me ask you tonight, are you allowing God's wisdom to help you? Or when those truths come up and even while I was preaching tonight, you would say, oh, preacher, that's wonderful. You just don't understand. I may not tonight. I may not, I'm not trying to make light of your situation. I'm not trying to let, make light of your circumstances. I may not know the severity of them, but God does. And God said, I have some wisdom for you that'll allow you to have a merry heart in the midst of those circumstances if you would just rely on it and you would just trust it and believe it. God's word is true, whether we believe it or not. But when we do believe it, it sure does help us. Sort of encouraged. A wise heart views God's wisdom as helpful. Are you letting God's wisdom 
help you. Preacher, I want a wise heart. Well, you're going to have to view wisdom as helpful. Preacher, I want a wise heart. Well, you're going to have to view wisdom as powerful. Preacher, I want a wise heart. Well, then you're going to have to view wisdom as valuable. And when you begin to view wisdom as valuable, powerful, and helpful, it'll begin to work in your heart and you'll be able to live the Christian life not by ignorance, I hope so, and definitely not by wickedness, but with wisdom. But you have to have the right view and the right understanding of what God's wisdom really is to you in your life. Let's pray to Heavenly Father.